Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Cross Creek. We're sort of saddened because we aren't gathering together here as a church family. And often our, every Easter, our church is packed with people and it's just, just overflowing and with excitement and enthusiasm and joy and praise and, and celebrating the resurrection of our Savior. Even the smell of our church is usually different because we have flowers at our doors, everything. Just, we don't have the flowers even here this year. And we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching us this morning and, and participating together in the glorious resurrection of Jesus. And the, the message this morning is see and believe. To see and believe. Hopefully this morning, my prayer is to paint a picture like maybe it hasn't ever been painted before for you to see. To see that glorious first Easter, that Resurrection Sunday and what transpired. Because it's so instructive on how for us today, how to live our lives. And, and especially instructive in, in going to heaven someday and spending eternity forever with our Lord Jesus. We're glad you're joined with us this morning. Unique Resurrection Sunday. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely an incredible event that sets Christianity apart from all other religions. And there's over 4,000 religions in the world today. But Christianity is unique in fact, if you study this, there's over 2.4 billion individuals upon this earth today that claims the name, claim the, of Christ. They, 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 they claim Christianity as their root, as their foundation, as their hope, the Lord Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one God used as an individual to write the account that transpired through the whole life of Jesus. And it's so beautiful to see how everyone saw Jesus. Matthew saw him this way, and John, and Luke, and, and Mark. They all saw Jesus in their, in, through their frame of mind, through their attitudes, through their minds, through their through their heart, but they saw Jesus and they wrote down words. And, and so as we, as we look at this tapestry of the resurrection of Jesus, it's beautiful because it comes out in a full living color, 3D dimension in the resurrection of Christ. Jesus is alive. Apart from all the other religions, they have dead founders that's still buried. Muhammad is still buried, but Jesus arose from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, he came, Jesus came into this world in a most unusual way. God used a young virgin girl named Mary. And they, and the scripture says, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God, God with us. You're going to give him the name Jesus <laughs> because he'll save his people from their sins. The whole mission was to seek and to save. And that's why Jesus came. What a, you know, what an exciting story to see his life. The long-awaited Messiah, he came and predicted his coming. Hundreds and hundreds of passages throughout the Old Testament. And he came and, 
at the age of 30, started his ministry here in a sort of short three years of ministry, how he truly turned this world upside down. Oh, he spoke truth. He talked about freedom and liberty in Christ. He talked about forgiveness and hope. He told us about heaven. He told us about hell. He told us about so many things on how to live, how to relate to people. You see, understand this and understand this clearly. The Word of God, the Bible, is His love letter to man. It's His, it's his instruction book on how to do life today. And so it's so important for us. He came and He spoke truth. Light came into the dark world and darkness hated Him. They despised Him and rejected Him. And ultimately, He was arrested. And, and after He was arrested, He faced six, six different trials. Those six different trials, three of them was Roman trials and three of them were Jewish trials. The Roman trials essentially came out with a verdict. We find no fault in this man. The Jewish trials, on the other hand, the outcome of those Jewish trials is they found him guilty. Guilty of blasphemy. Guilty of of claiming deity that he was God in the flesh that walked this earth. They could not hear it. We have to kill him. And so ultimately, he was led away and he was crucified at Calvary's cross on that Passover Friday in Jerusalem. He died. The Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, the one who came to save, he died. And he was buried in a borrowed tomb. We're going to pick the story up. Let me encourage you, if you are home, if you have your Bibles, Luke 24 is a beautiful section that we're going to be in this morning. But in Luke, Luke 24... In Luke 24, it gives us a beautiful story of what happened that first Easter Sunday. And we pick it up in verse 1. It says, on the first day of the week, first day of the week, that's Sunday morning, very early in the morning, the women, they took spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They were loving. They, they loved Jesus and and they wanted to minister to Jesus, and they were going to prepare his body. Even on the outside, they would put spices on the outside of his body and prepare him. Even in love, they were shown, and they found the stone, in verse 2, rolled away from the tomb. This great stone that perhaps weighed a, a ton, ton and a half, was rolled away from the tomb, and and then verse 3 says, but when they entered the tomb, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, they, they, I can just see there were three women and they looked at each other and they were wondering about what is going on here. And it says, suddenly two men appeared in clothes and they gleamed like lightning and they stood before them and they were angels and verse 5, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? And I love this verse. He is not here. He has risen. Note those words. He is not here. He has risen. Unprecedented in human history to rise 
back from the dead. In verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, what did they do? They told all these things to the eleven, to the apostles, to all the others. The story also over in John chapter 20 and verse 3, we read these words. So Peter and the other disciple, and the other disciple is John, because this is found in John, and John never wrote about himself. He always talked about in the sense of the other apostle. So John was the other apostle, and he started for the tomb. So Peter and John heard the message from the women that the tomb was empty and heard the story about these two angels that were there and heard the story about the cloths inside the tomb and, and, and the stone rolled away and, whoa, they jumped up. Peter did after denying his Lord, but Peter jumped up and John with him and both of them took off a running and we see it says, verse 4, John 20, both were running. But the other disciples, speaking of John, John outran Peter. And John reached the tomb first. And in verse 8, you can read the, the rest of those verses, but in verse 8, finally the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, he also went inside. And note these words, he saw and he believed. He saw, and he believed. The Greek word for saw is idio. It means to know with certainty. He saw something. He looked at the, in the tomb here. He saw, and he believed. He knew in certainty to be absolutely sure. It means to believe in your heart, to finally get it to finally understand it. Oh, my. He saw and he believed. See, seeing is more than just physical sight. It also includes seeing with our hearts. Our heart is our innermost being. It's, it's, it's who we are. We're, uh, we're, we're a trichotomy as people, as humans. Body, soul, and spirit. The body, this is the physical that we can see. <laughs> But there's a real you inside that's going to last forever and live forever. That's your soul. That's your spirit. Spirit, your consciousness that you can connect with God, that, you, that gives us that ability to know God. And see, that seeing is more than just physical sight of seeing. It includes seeing with the, as, as Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 puts it, seeing with the eyes of your heart. You say, whoa, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> the eyes of your heart. You finally get it. In other words, we can have intellectual up here, the knowledge up here that we can see things up here, but until it gets 18 inches down here in our heart, that's when we get it. That's when we understand it. And so this truth, John finally, it, boy, it just sunk. He got it. That's faith. It's a genuine relationship. It's knowing God. It's faith. It's seeing and believing with your heart. It's believing truth. Well, what did John see? If you look at it and seeing he saw and he believed, what did he see? Well, he saw the life of Jesus. That's for one. That's for sure. The life of Jesus was real. John was there. John was a, a blue-collar fisherman that, that, that lived a rough life up around the Sea of Galilee. John saw the life of Jesus, and he saw the miracles. 
but he saw the love and he saw the various, various situations that he came into and he saw his heart. John saw Jesus was a servant. In John 20, John records these words and he says uh, in verse 30, it says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples. Many other signs. There's probably about 40 miracles listed in the Bible. And he did these miraculous signs, many others, which are not recorded in the book, not recorded in the Bible. But verse 31 Chapter 20 of John is an interesting verse because God tells us this. These things, these things, the miracles, the book, all the various resurrections, these things are written. Why? Why are these things written? Scripture says that you may believe. You see it? That you may believe. Believe what? Just to believe that Jesus was a good guy? No, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. God Almighty who created it all. He sent His Son into this world on that mission. And then the rest of that verse, what does it say? And that by believing, by getting that belief in your heart, you may have life in His name. Life in the name of Jesus. See, John, he was that rough, tough guy. That followed Jesus for three years. He saw Jesus. He was an eyewitness to the Christ. He was an eyewitness to what was transpiring. Oh, he knew the, 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 the stories and the various things that drift around. You know what happened? But he knew about Bethlehem. He knew about a Virgin Mary. Oh, I'm sure. He understood about a wise man following a star coming into and finding this Christ child. He knew these stories. And now Jesus said, follow me. <laughs> I'm going to make you fishers of men. And John now is following him. But John, what did he see? He saw, he saw the lame coming to him and Jesus healing him. He saw this guy that was totally paralytic and a cripple dropping down. His buddies dropping him down in front of Jesus in a packed house. And Jesus walking right there in the midst of the crowd, so many people, and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> well, the Pharisees went off. Who can forgive sins but God? That's true. <laughs> and Jesus says, well, since you, you know, forgiven sins, you know, it's, it equates to a changed life. Well, all right, just so that you know that the Son of Man, the Son of God, has power to forgive sins. Rise up and walk. All of a sudden, muscles came into his legs and he stood and strong and everybody was all. John was there. John saw it. He saw it. He saw the blind. He saw the crippled. He saw the, the feeding of the multitudes. He saw the lepers coming. He even was there when he saw Lazarus and others raised back from the dead. But God could do that. John also witnessed the unconditional love that Jesus spoke the words. Remember the woman was caught in adultery in the very act of adultery. And all the Jewish and the religious and all the pious people brought this woman out and threw her at the feet of Jesus. 
Ah, there's stones in their hands. What did Jesus do? Huh. Started right on the ground. Hey, Jesus says, let him that has no sin, let him cast the first stone. Who has no sin? From the oldest to the youngest, they started to part and everyone left. Sort of put the damper on that crowd. And Jesus said, I'm not going to condemn you either, man. Go and sin no more. That's love. It was love that sent Jesus to the cross. That's love. How he loved you and me and this world so much that he was willing to die for you. That's love. Oh, John was there. He saw it. John saw the tax collector and sinners and how Jesus loved them. In a world that's filled with darkness and a world that's filled with a lot of hatred, Jesus loved. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples and he said, I didn't come to be served. Oh, he could have. He could have rode around the heavens in a fiery chariot if he wanted to. He's God. He could have come and said, serve me, do this for me, handle this for me. No, he came, he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. A humble servant, he lived that perfect life, a sinless life. That's why he'd be known as Emmanuel, God with us. If you've seen me, You've seen the Father, because I and the Father are one. Oh, my friends, that's what John saw. <laughs> when he went into that tomb, he saw and he believed. He finally got it. He also saw the crucifixion. There are many verses that we could go to, but I'm just going to give you just one, because he was there when Jesus, this one, this perfect one, was crucified. He saw the reactions of the people. He saw the supernatural events that transpired. Oh, he heard the words that were spoken from the cross. Oh, yeah. In Luke 23, verse 49, it says, But those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. And in fact, it was John from the words from the cross that the Lord Jesus says, Woman, behold your son. And then and, and John, behold your mother. And so Jesus was taking care of things there even before he died as he was hanging on the cross. But John saw those events. He was at the solemn last supper and he had the sadness and the garden and the rest. He saw the religious Jews, the pious Jews. He saw the hatred and the cursing and the spitting and the beatings and the crown of thorns and the, the driving of the nails. God was there. I cannot imagine what it must have felt like to see the one he followed for those three years, the one he put all of his hope in. Is, now it's hopeless. The hatred was, was everywhere. He was there. John heard the words from Jesus and those words is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was at that point in time when our sin was placed upon this perfect one. 
Oh, John was there and he saw the sun go dark. And he felt this earthquake happening. And then the centurion, surely this is the Son of God. Make that remark. You must see and believe. See, John saw the reactions and the supernatural events. He heard those powerful words spoken from the cross. Oh, my friends, he saw his life. He saw the crucifixion. But he also saw the women's reactions. We see the women trembling and bewildered and alarmed. In Mark 16, trembling, bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. And they said nothing, Mark tells us. Nothing to anyone because they were speechless. Because they were afraid. They had no idea. What is transpiring here? What is going on? They were bewildered. They were trembling. Their hands were shaking and their knees were shaking. And they were really scared to death. That first day of the week, early that Sunday morning, they found a stone rolled away. And they entered that tomb and found the body of Jesus gone. They were startled when these two brilliantly shining angels appeared. And they heard those words, he is not here. He has risen from the dead. What would you think? What would your reaction be? If it was you, if it was you in their case, John saw these women, they were petrified. They trembled, they fled the tomb, and they fled straight to the disciples, especially Peter and John, <laughs> the two that we're talking about, especially John going to the tomb. The tomb is empty, Jesus is alive. And Peter and John, they take off when they heard that news and they ran as fast as they could to the tomb. We were over in Jerusalem not that long ago in November and we we saw the, the distance that they would have had to run. And John, he was a sprinter. He ran faster. He ran faster than Peter. Peter maybe was a shorter guy, a cocky guy, or but he didn't run very good. But when Peter got there, John got there first, and John sort of just like, whoa, seeing the tomb here, seeing the opening of the tomb, he just sat on the outside just like, out of breath, taking it all in and sitting there for a little bit, trying to compose. And just about that time, here comes Peter. But Peter, you know, Mr. You know, foot in the mouth, walk on water, all this, never deny Jesus. What did he do? He comes running in, first one into the tomb. And then John says, well, Peter went in there. I might as well go in too. And so Peter then goes, or John then goes in with Peter. And, he's, and we just... He saw the woman's reactions. John not only saw the life of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus, but he saw the reactions from the women. And now we see that he saw the empty tomb. The empty tomb. And he believed. The stone was rolled. The strips of cloth were folded. Linen was there. The resurrection has transpired. And He's in amazement in verse 8 of chapter 20 of John. Finally, the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, he went inside and he saw and he believed. What feeling, what emotions happened 
after seeing all this, the Savior, the one who was going to lead them, is now dead and gone, but now he's gone even from the tomb. And the thoughts and the memory of the words of Jesus that, hey, I'm going to be buried in three days, I'm going to rise again. In a Jewish reckoning, it's any part of one day. So Friday before sundown, Jesus was buried, and all day Saturday, and then Sunday, and part of that Sunday, that's your three days, the tomb was empty. And John sees the strips of linen and the, the, that wrapped the body of Jesus. He saw the burial cloth that was all folded. See, and he saw and he believed intellectually in his mind, but also spiritually in his heart. The question is, what does the empty tomb mean to me? See, intellectually we know about Jesus. We believe that he came into this world at Christmas, and so we celebrate Christmas. And we also know intellectually that there's something about Easter. Yeah, that's when Jesus was crucified and he rose again. So we intellectually know that. But my question is, do you really believe it from your heart? See, the resurrection of God, of, of, by God, God raising his son, was the exclamation mark in the whole life of Jesus. <laughs> He's alive. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Not on the overhead this morning, but let me give it to you. It says that if, if, it's conditional upon your belief, it's upon you, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. There it is. You see it different places in Scripture. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. A simple fact. Here's the truth. What am, I, what am I going to do with it? See, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We must see, but not just intellectually, but with the heart, see and believe. The whole purpose that Jesus came was to seek and to save the lost. So how are you doing? So many times we are living life just living in existence day in and day out. And yet, if you really analyze our lives, each of us individually, you might find yourself spiritually empty, maybe drained, confused, where God seems distant and, and God seems sort of like, you know, well, I like to hear about God. I like singing worship, but... But do I really have that relationship with an almighty God through his son? The whole reason, the whole reason over and over, probably hundreds of verses I could take you to. God so loved the world that he gave his son. <laughs> it brings it down to that. He came to forgive us of our sins because we can't forgive ourselves. That's why there's 4,000 religions. Everyone's out there saying, well, I'll get you this utopia. I'll take you to heaven. You know, I'll go to the heaven where there's 70 virgins up there for you. And I mean, on and on and on. Or maybe some were saying, well, everyone dies and they're reincarnated into something. So you don't eat animals. And, and I say, well, you don't step on an ant. It might be your ant. 
You see what I'm saying? Jesus is real. God is real. He created everything. That's reality. It's truth. Jesus even said, when you know the truth, it will set you free. So many times we've been being taught that <laughs> lies. And we start to believe the, those lies. See, there's tremendous blessings when we know the truth. Because truth changes us from the inside out. And that's that transformation that the Lord tells us about in Romans and, and in other places. But he, he transforms our minds. He transforms our thinking. We are changed people. I love what God tells us that if any man, any woman be in Christ, that they are a brand new creation. The old things pass away. We all have old things. Those old things pass away and behold, everything becomes new. <laughs> That's what happens to our lives. So what does the resurrection mean to me? Because of Jesus, we can experience peace. Peace that smashes despair. We are living in a coronavirus time, a pandemic. We hear a lot of stories, what's true, what's not true. <laughs> I tell you what, we need to get our country opened up and going again. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of despair in this world. There's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of depression and gloom and doom and rejection and, and deep down in just anguish. The anxiety and the stress levels are huge. What did Jesus say? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace. <laughs> That's the opposite. Peace. See, this experience, peace that smashes despair. Peace I leave with you and my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives you. The world's going to try to give you peace. It's not going to satisfy. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Get my peace. My peace I'm going to give to you. And so that's what happens. That's why the resurrection happened. That's what it means. You can live your life in peace. Peace, that serenity, that contentment, that harmony of mind and body. But it's just deep down seated knowledge that all is well with your soul. That between you and God, things are good. Good, because you believe in his son, Jesus. And so we experience peace. We can experience forgiveness, and the forgiveness conquers sin. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It's by God's grace are we saved through faith. It's our belief, but it's God's grace that is offered. God's unmerited favor, he pours out. And he, and he says, here's a way of coming to heaven. Here's a way of being forgiven, of reality, really being forgiven of sin. You don't have to go in all these religions out here and still feel lost and still feel confused and still feel empty. You come to me, I will forgive your sins. What a deal, man. Forgiveness. Well, you say, Pastor, how far away? What happens to my sins? <laughs> Scripture tells us he forgives us. He forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. 
to be remembered no more. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Whoa, what a blessing. So he experienced peace, he experienced forgiveness, how experienced courage. Courage that defeats fear. There's two guys at the tomb. Who were those two guys? Remember who they were? They were Peter and they were John. Well, we read in Acts chapter 4, this is after the Jesus ascended back to heaven and the church was birthed. We see in verse 13 of Acts 4, it says, when they saw the courage, the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled. They were, they were ignorant guys. They were from Galilee, you know, up toward Nazareth. What good comes out of that area? They were the hicks. They were unschooled. They were ordinary men, but they were astonished. Why? Because they took note. In other words, they highlighted it in their, in their, with their markers. They took note. What did they take note? That these men had been with Jesus. He changes our lives. And that's courage to face the fear. Courage is confidence and boldness in the face of adversity. See, Jesus makes all the difference. We also see, we see experience purpose that overcomes emptiness. Ephesians 3.11 says, According to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, in Jesus. Jesus is the answer, my friends for all the woes of our life, in Him, and through faith, through belief in Him. What happens? We may approach God with freedom and confidence. <laughs> without Christ, I oftentimes say it, without Christ, we have a God-sized hole in our hearts. Oh, we'll fill it with sex, or we'll fill it with drugs, or we'll fill it with relationships, or we'll fill it with alcohol, we'll fill it with busyness, we'll fill it with all the things of this world, trying to find that peace, and it won't, nothing, nothing satisfies. And you still walk around life hopeless because you need Jesus. And when he comes into your heart and into your life, he fills that hole. He takes care of that void. He gives you a new life, that new life in him. That's purpose. Your life changes. See, why do I exist? God has plans for our lives. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundant. <laughs> oh, get Jesus in your life. And then experience life that conquers death. Really, you think about it. Experience life that conquers death. Jesus defeated death, the grave, hell and sin, and Satan, and the demons. He defeated them all at the resurrection. We live because he lives. We have hope because of him, because of Jesus. First Peter, it, it, Eugene Peterson, this is a paraphrase from, from his writing, but he says this in 1 Peter 1.3, What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master, Lord Jesus because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. And we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. 
Then he says, and this future starts now. We've been given, we've been given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Think about that. Have you been birthed into this new living hope of Jesus? Because of the resurrection, we have a brand new life. Our sins are forgiven. We have a home in heaven. And that future really starts now. And John, John saw and he believed and he was changed. I did the math. I don't remember sometimes numbers and I, the time goes by so quickly. But about 46 years ago, I saw and I believed. That's a long time. Oh, sweeter as the days go by, Jesus, he never has failed me yet. Oh, boy, I tell you what, I've had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of hurts and pains and struggles that I just want to maul about. Losing loved ones, those that you care so much for, raising a family, five children. But I tell you what, through it all, God was there with me. And he'll be there with you. No matter what goes on in your life, he will be there. He promises us that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. See, we must, we must see and believe, just as John it's a personal decision to fully believe in Jesus, to fully finally come to that point. And, 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 and lots of times God uses crisis in our life to wake us. He does to me. He does for all of us in this, in this world that God and his sovereignty and his glory and his power, even though we see this world with coronavirus and all this out of control, <laughs> God is absolutely in control. He is sovereign. But he has plans for your life that maybe all it takes is this, this, this thing to get us out of our comfort zone to really, not to believe intellectually, but to really start to believe spiritually from the depths of our heart. Sometimes it might be a wake-up call. and The Lord might be speaking, speaking to you right now. The great white writer... C.S. Lewis, he wrote this, you must make your choice. Either this man, speaking of Jesus, either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. My friend, Jesus was not a fool. Jesus was not crazy. Jesus is the very son of Almighty God. He is Lord. And someday every, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because you will never, and I will never, no person upon this earth will ever, 
will ever cease to exist. Something we got to get right. It's something that matters for all of eternity and where you will spend it. We got to spiritually see and believe. I'm going to leave you with a verse, actually, two verses. They're my heartbeat. I love them. John, that's one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of John. And this is the guy we're talking about that he saw and believed. But John says this, and, 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 and these are words from Jesus in verse 16 and 17 of John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave, willingly gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. My friends, the glorious resurrection is just God saying, I accepted the sacrifice of my son for the sins of the world. Now you got to accept him as your Lord and as your Savior. Because Jesus lives, every sin of my life can be forgiven. That's your past. Everything you've done in the past can be totally white clean. I say it's like an etch-a-sketch. You mess up our lives and all this. And you just take it, turn upside down, go. There it is, perfectly clean and good and beautiful. Because Jesus lives, every sin can be forgiven. And we also see another truth in the present. We, we can live presently. We can live our life now just abundantly and beautifully. So we have past and present, and then we also have a future, and that's a future hope to be with him forever. Because he lives, we can live also. I'm going to close in prayer. I want to really thank you again for joining us this morning. But let me, let's not end it right here. Let me just say this, to pray with me. Pray along from the depth of your heart. God may be used this message this morning, this Easter Sunday morning. He may be used this message to talk to you. And you know when God talks to you. You just sense deep in your spirit, you, deep down, you know, no mistake. If he's speaking to you, man, respond to him. And let me encourage you to, to pray along this prayer. And it's a simple prayer. And I'm, I'm just going to bring us before the Lord. But make this your prayer from your heart. Would you bow your hearts and bow your heads right there at your home, wherever you are. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son into this world. Thank you for the sacrifice he made on the cross at Calvary. Father, we thank you for his glorious resurrection that Jesus lives, that he came back alive because he's God in the flesh. You accepted his sacrifice. And because he lives, I can be forgiven. And I can face the future. And I can experience a living hope that's found in him. And that living hope is forever. Would you pray this prayer to the Lord the best I know how? Today I realize that Jesus died in my place. 
Jesus bore my sins to provide forgiveness for me and to make me righteous before you, Father. God, forgive me. I turn away from my sin and my past and I turn to Jesus to save me. Help me to follow him. Help me to publicly confess him as my Lord and as my Savior. I believe in him. Lord, we lift up this church family, those that are home watching. God, I, you know our hearts. Those that have been struggling and hurting with battling cancers and broken bones and all oh, the ailments and the frailties of life. God, come close to each one. All those that are listening, that are struggling, help them, encourage their hearts. Allow Jesus to be a part of their life, an integral part of their lives. God, heal and touch the brokenhearted. Father, for families across America, for those around the world that's fighting this virus, God, comfort those who lost loved ones. Be with those that are researching cures. Thank you, Father, even for light at the end of the tunnel that we're seeing things that's being talked about that's curing things, curing this virus. Help us as a nation to get back to being a nation again, but a nation, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Father, use what is happening in this world to reach people for you. Use churches and pastors. God, I ask for a spiritual awakening, a revival across this land. And we do thank you. Thank you, Father, that no matter what goes on, that seemingly out of control, that you and you alone are in control. Teach us. Grow our faith. And Lord, we thank you that we can trust you because you're a good God. And like John, as John discovered an empty tomb, he saw and believed, Father, we too might see and believe as we trust you, as we trust in Jesus, our living hope. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people at home, right where you are, said, Amen. Amen.